Oh, so nice, Craig. Hey everyone, this is Mike Dunn, and you're listening to Rethinking EDU. I'm here with my amazing co-hosts as usual, Matt, Julie, Janine. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody doing okay? Oh yeah. Sure. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Janine, what's happening in your world these days? Uh, yeah, I'm just like managing um, my children's, my three kids' online schedules and my online schedules. And um, yeah, we're, we're plugging away here and we're still learning. That's awesome to hear. What about you, Julie? What's happening with you these days? Well, it's not always sunny in Philadelphia, but it was today. <laughs> so oh, it was fantastic. <laughs> I, <laughs> I attended a, a fantastic um, network um gathering um outside on my back deck today so it was great wink wink nudge nudge because our episode is about <laughs> da, 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 uh, networks what <laughs> matt what's going on with you uh nothing much just uh trying to break a record to see how many emails i can write in a day and uh we're gonna try to go for 200 tomorrow Ooh. shush <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> and now the episode is taking a turn <laughs> that's networking right emailing <laughs> yeah that's right well listen uh we appreciate everybody tuning in uh, this episode this isn't actually going to be a full episode it's going to be a little bit shorter than our typical 45 minute or so episodes we're calling this a, a season prequel in the upcoming season of episodes we're going to be featuring information about networks networks of schools and in this little prequel we're going to feature now, we're going to talk a little bit about what we mean when we say networks of schools. We're going to talk a little bit about the value of networks, and we're going to talk just a little bit in general about um, what you might expect in the next three or four episodes. So as we get into it here, let's just talk about networks in general. Well, I think um, you know networks can be formal or informal. Uh, so what we've got going on right here with Rethinking EDU would be an example of an informal network. Um, and I think it's beneficial to have uh, people, finding like-minded people to generally bounce ideas off of. Um, and even with the more formal networks, you're not having to reinvent the wheel with everything, especially in these times. Um, people learn less in a vacuum, right? So um, I think just having networks, finding like-minded people, um, it's, it's all a good thing. Yeah, that's great. I think it's a really good example of what you're talking about. This here, Rethinking EDU, of course. There's tons of opportunities out there for informal networks that I think are super valuable. You know, just earlier we were talking about Twitter as being a potential for informal network. Matt, I know you've got some experience with Twitter. Um, how does one even use Twitter as an informal network? I mean, Twitter's great, right? You can have the hashtags, you can uh, put a hashtag and follow that conversation, or you can follow different people, interact with with what they're saying. And what I really like about Twitter, um, the network that it provides is the ability to collaborate with people, either through directly chatting or chatting about an issue, a topic, and following someone. I really like, uh, you know, the times where you follow someone, they have a really good idea, and then you can message them back. Hey, I tried that out. And then you can have this sort of dialogue. Um, and I, I really like that personal connection that comes from collaboration through networks. Um, and, and Twitter's with technology, right? Technology has the ability to transform networks and 
allow us to talk with people we wouldn't have been able to talk to, you know, even like 15 years ago. So it, it's really interesting to think about that. Yeah, I've done a few Twitter chats in my life. I find them to be challenging because my typing speed maybe isn't that great <laughs> and my attention span is like way too long for a twitter chat which are like these little blurbs of of ideas that are just sort of like being spit out really quickly um what i found really useful if if anybody is listening to this and they want to get engaged in twitter it might be interesting for you to take a look at a a, a tool like TweetDeck to try to manage your um twitter streams a little bit more easily. I found TweetDeck to be really terrific and helpful to kind of uh, manage that in what can be otherwise a very overwhelming informal network. Um, I know that there's some other tech tools out there that kind of can kind of act as informal networks. Are y'all familiar with any of those tools? Um, I just know that like, you know, Pinterest, um, <laughs> you know, people pinning things and following, you know, things on that. Um, even Facebook, you know, these these other social networks, Instagram, um, there's all sorts of educators that are out there with their own accounts. And um, I know there's a couple different networks that I'm a part of um, with that. So yeah, just being able to use social media as a, as a platform, being able to share, um, connect with people, like you said, um, finding out like what other people are actually doing, which I think is removing that piece of isolation. You know, sometimes you get stuck just being in your classroom, closing your door and just doing what you normally do. Um, but there are people out there that are really leading the way in rethinking education and doing it differently. And it's a great oh. way to ah. oh, podcast name drop. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I agree. There are so many people out there um, that are, are rethinking education and those networks are super strong. So if you're a teacher in a school right now or an administrator or any sort of person working in education, look out there for networks of like-minded individuals because I guarantee that if you're thinking something about education, there's bound to be a, a network of other human beings out there thinking along similar lines. Um, that kind of segues into our, our next conversation here, which is really about networks of schools. And Janine and Julie, I want to call you out a little bit to talk about um, teacher-powered schools who are going to be definitely featured in this series. Let's talk about them as a network. What? How do teacher-powered schools, you know, work together in, in an affiliation? Yeah, so the teacher-powered schools network, I think there's at least 120, probably more uh, schools in that network. And that's really helped our school connect with like-minded people, as I said, who are committed to student-centered education and elevating the teaching profession. Um, so that, that network has really helped launch our practice forward, how we um, organize and make decisions, um, and then also just uh, sharing best practices for how we do things as a school. It's, um, it's been really fantastic yeah and likewise we're also members with like um what is it pennsylvania coalition of public charter schools um so that again we're connecting with like-minded people that are going through similar situations like we understand each other we can bounce ideas off of each other um so that's that's another helpful one for us too yeah that's awesome um and i know that there are really 
sort of limitless uh, networks of schools out there. A few that we know of that hopefully we'll have some conversations with picture learning. There's folks from EL education. Um, I know you all have other examples, Julie, uh, you want to share a few networks that you know of that that are doing really great things? Yeah, I think one here in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania branch of middle level education, the PAMLE, um, the national organization is the AMLE. Um, but um, I've learned a ton from that Pennsylvania branch. Um, it's everything middle school. Um, they're partnered with the National Forum to accelerate middle grades reform. And um, I've been involved with uh, Schools to Watch, and that's a, a really forward-thinking, goal-setting designation for middle schools to keep uh, pushing the envelope um, for middle schools to uh, be on the cutting edge of education. So I've really um, gained a lot from that as well. And Janine, what about you? Um, you know, I actually, I teach science, so I'm actually a member of the Montgomery County Science Teacher Association, which is a local network of science educators, and it's just helpful to kind of prepare for science fairs and, you know, uh, any questions that you might have in regards of you know, teaching practices with science, there's always somebody that you can reach out to and, and be supportive with. So that's like, like a really small, like local network, but um, yeah, they're, they're great to get together with. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to think about the like different levels of networks that you can get involved in, right? The sort of micro level, which we talked about, the uh, meso level, um, which is like regional or um, like mid Atlantic, let's say, maybe even um, East Coast. And then there's just these sort of like massive macro level uh, education movements that are happening. One of them that I want to point out uh, for a quick minute here is called Hundred. Um, I just became a hundred ambassador uh, um, last week, so woo, that's super exciting. And hundred is trying to uh, share innovations in education and inspire additional innovations in education around the world. So our group of ambassadors is literally from everywhere, uh, from Brazil and India to Colombia to Germany and the United States, and you know. Nigeria and Kenya. So there are literally hundreds of educators doing good work in hundred <laughs> uh, to share innovations in education. And again, the emphasis is on connecting with like-minded individuals. And we didn't point this out at the beginning, but I think it's something important to point out. For a long time, education has been a fairly isolating uh, task for many teachers. You know, sometimes it can, it can, there's this joke, right, about, um, about teachers that you're sort of just working on an island, that sometimes you get some feedback from your administrator, sometimes you don't, you know, even though there might be processes for feedback, especially after you get out of like your first or second or your third year, sometimes you just never hear any collaborative feedback from anybody. And so you close the door of your classroom and you're just sort of teaching your students and it can be super challenging in that sort of environment. So these different levels of networks often um, can help you move your practice in new, uh, innovative sometimes directions, or just sort of allow you the opportunity to bounce those creative ideas off of. Now, one network that we haven't talked much about yet uh, in this quick prequel is the kind of like 
conference or sort of like super macro level um, groups of, of educators. And I want to kind of dive into the tech world as an example. Um, Matt, I know you and I have been involved in the International Society for Technology and Education. Um, what's that network like? Yeah, it's a it's a great network. So like you said, it's, it's a huge network. But the thing I like about it is they do regional conferences, right? They, so they have these large conferences, but they do move around to different regions. And it's a good place to learn. Like they're bringing the most innovative ideas to the forefront. But another thing I really like about that conference is they're not only bringing forward information, but they're trying to push forward like ideals. Like they have these standards that they've pushed forward. And actually, ISTE has helped create standards across, you know, the country for technology integration. And they've been really like forward thinking and progressive. So for such a big, large institution like this mammoth institution, they are trying to do um, cool stuff, even though, uh, you know, they can feel a little bit institutional. <laughs> yeah, I, I attended the ISTE conference and it definitely is like an intense experience you know it's one of the largest education conferences in the country um when i attended here in philadelphia there was something like sixty thousand attendees over six days it was it was wild i think it i think it it brings up this question of there are certain challenges that come along with networks right not all networks are all sort of like rosy and gold and I would love to hear y'all just for a quick second, maybe share some of the challenges that you've experienced with networks. Well, for me, I think it's just time. Um, you know, it, it takes it takes a lot of time to um, connect with other people in your own school, um, and then also to have that that added layer of connection outside your school. Um, so that investment, I find, has always been worth it. Um, but um, it still is an added, you know, thing to do on a teacher's list. Uh, so I just am very, I guess I'm choosy about which networks I have time to involve myself with. And then, um, you know, going forward, I, I try to select, I almost curate the networks that I'm involved in for myself. Well, I think it's also important to note that every network has an agenda. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's something to be said there about educators' time. You know, we um, spend hours and hours prepping lessons and doing other things that get us ready for doing our primary task, which is helping students learn, right? And we need to be wary of how we spend our time. Um, and mm -hmm. so I'm I'm often thinking, what am I gonna get out of this network? And I don't think that that's, that's a selfish way to think because you're investing your time, which for an educator, a lot of the times is just as valuable as their as their actual financial contribution to something. And so I'm always saying to myself, is getting involved in this network really worth it to me? Um, and I know that sounds maybe a little bit more negative than it's coming, but I think we gotta be, there, there really are maybe limitless networks. So we gotta kind of be a little selective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I, I just wanted to make a little confession here tonight. Um, you know, I, I haven't really uh, delved into networks as, as much as I should have. I mean, this conversation tonight and the, and the conversations we're going to have, I think, is really helpful for me. Um, just personally, it's helping me see the, the power in networks. But I, I think I have an overly uh, critical view of networks. Like, 
in my past, I sort of look at them as these like multi-level marketing companies. Like I have really bad experiences with some multi-level <laughs> like the marketing. Ponzi's team of yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now they they wouldn't call themselves that, but that, but that's how I've experienced it, you know. And I've sort of experienced different networks and different people. It's about like like them just sort of spouting off and um, and getting across what they want to say, right? And I haven't experienced that much collaboration through that, but but that doesn't mean that there's not power. But I, I think I've lost out a lot um, by not being in uh, powerful networks. Like maybe I had a couple bad experiences, or maybe I'm just overly critical, right? But um, but, but I think this is making me become aware of like, you know, I, I need to invest and and dive in and and because I need to grow, you know, and and um, and that collaboration is really powerful. Okay, so. Uh... As we're thinking about the upcoming series, um, I want to get your all hot takes here for the end, right? First, let's talk about how networks have helped us rethink education. And then finally, let's get our plug and let's end this short little prequel episode and get on to the real episodes. So who wants to go first? Uh, I can jump in. So I think for myself, if I think back to like my first year teaching as a rookie teacher and uh, compared to like where I'm at now and the growth that I've made, I really do have to say that um, the network, joining these different networks has aided me in becoming a better teacher. Um, it's helped me learn about best practices and what's actually going, what are other people doing that are innovative and engaging for students. Um, and that I've, I've learned a lot just from being part of networks. So that's how it's, it's impacted me. I think for me, networks have helped me revolutionize the way I think about education. And growing up, I grew up in a pretty um, working class neighborhood in suburban Detroit. And I thought school was one sort of way. And I went to university and continued to think that school was one sort of way. Immediately after I left um, undergrad and went to graduate school to study history, I realized that I wasn't really super happy in how I was experiencing school. I student taught at a big picture school and got my teaching certification and realized that there were literally hundreds of schools in the country that were really trying to do education differently. And it completely changed my life and my way of looking at education. Without that experience and without having gotten dropped into that network of big picture schools, I had no idea that school could be anything than what it was that I had experienced it as. And so I can attribute my views on education directly to um, the existence of networks of schools. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, um, Mike. I think that was well said. Um, I think my connection with networks, have, they've given me the opportunity to look up and out and feel part of a movement um, to change the status quo in education, um, to realize that what I'm trying to do in my classroom is bigger than just my classroom or my school. And it helps me to understand the many moving parts um, in the education world, in the state, in the country, um, to you know, it helps, it gives me a space to keep me focused on the higher aims of what, you know, we're trying to do in my school. So that's, those are the, the bigger picture is what it allows me to have. And Matt, I would love to hear your philosophical <laughs> ideas about why networks might be useful. 
Yeah, so so the limited uh, networks I have been involved with that, that have been positive, um, maybe it's boiled down to the incubator <laughs> that we all were part of. Um, and and so that that experience um, was just really powerful to be a part of a group of people and you're thinking about ideas in a new way and you, and you leave that space and, and you realize I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for this experience, this network, this collaboration, this momentum, this movement. And you feel like you're part of something. You're part of something bigger, yeah, but you're also at a different place as a result of being a part of, of that movement. So so when I think about networks, when I think about it in a good way and maybe what it could be for me, I'm thinking about movement, I'm thinking about collaboration. Um, what do they say? Human beings want to be part of something that's much bigger than themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that networks help bring some of that um, to the fore. All right, last part of the segment here. What are you plugging for this evening? Let's go Julie first. What are you plugging? Well, I would like to plug, so I mentioned Mike and I actually attended a networking event today, a live webinar with thousands of educators across the country. It was called New Way Forward for your Googling pleasure. Um, The moderator is actually one of my favorite education thinkers. Her name is Katie Martin. And so I'd recommend her book, Learner-Centered Innovation, spark curiosity ignite passion and unleash genius cool janine what you got all right i got another book recommendation too it's called sharing mindsets where classrooms and businesses meet it's by joy rosser and anthony barber um joy's a close friend of ours and is uh on the board for pamle um uh, i really like uh, how they kind of open the book there they have a quote that says um you know what is the role of a teacher it's no different than that of a ceo <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I just love that i think that's very poignant but um yeah so check out her book it's on amazon awesome matt what about you yeah, the tech tool I've been using the most these days is Screencastify. It's a really simple, 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 easy to use screencasting tool. It just helps flip the classroom. It's so simple, but you're putting the information in the hands of, of the students or the learner or the other teachers. Awesome. And I'm going to stick on the book theme tonight. <laughs> I uh, finished for my second time around um, a book by Jeffrey Salingo called uh, There is Life After College. And of course, May 1st, as we're recording this, May 1st is coming up and we, um, I help kids try to make decisions about where they want to go after high school. And this book is always for in my mind when trying to recommend places for kids to attend um, after they graduate. So check it out. You can get it on Amazon. Jeffrey Spilling goes there as life after college. Uh, and I think that's it. You know, thanks everybody for for hopping in on this conversation tonight. I hope all you listeners out there are prepped and ready for our coming series on networks. We appreciate you continuing to listen. Hit us up on Facebook um, and take a look for us on uh, Apple iTunes. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all.